Hey friend, welcome to Grounded, the vestibular podcast. I'm Dr. Madison Oak, aka the Vertigo Doctor. I am the vestibular physical therapist who is here to help you with all things dizziness, imbalance, and vertigo. In this podcast, we explore the fascinating world of vestibular disorders. Come with me as we dive headfirst into a journey to discover the mysteries of the brain, the inner ear, and the balance mechanisms that keep us grounded. Whether you've been managing dizziness for one day or 25 years, we're going to get real about what it takes to manage dizziness, handle the anxiety cycle, and thrive, not just survive, with your vestibular disorder. First, I want to remind you that this is never medical advice. Remember, this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be the best fit for you and your personal situation. It shall not be construed as medical advice. The information and education provided here is not intended or implied to supplement or replace professional medical treatment advice and or diagnosis. Always check with your own physician, medical professionals, and healthcare team before trying or implementing any information found here. Meet me in your coziest chair while we navigate the highs and lows, the twists and turns of the vestibular universe. Welcome to Grounded. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Grounded. I have Dr. Molly Parker, the physical therapist with us today, who you might know from Instagram. She is such a lovely human, and I'm really excited to share this podcast with her today. Uh, if you could introduce yourself and kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, I would love that. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Um, so my name is Molly Parker. Um, I'm really excited to be here today because I'm a healthcare provider. I'm a physical therapist and I treated kind of the funky cases along with, you know, your standards, neck and backs and all those things. But I also had my own journey with concussion, especially at a time when it was still listed as like psychological, if you were still having symptoms. So I had a really long go of it. I was in a car accident in 2011. I had a concussion. I thought they just went away because there wasn't that kind of information now. Um, and I ended up falling into that pattern of symptoms getting worse, people not knowing what was happening, knowing why, as I'm sure many of you can relate to going to like a bajillion healthcare providers, not knowing how to explain it. No one knows how to help. Um, and I really ended up steadily getting worse and worse and worse. And I ended up, you know, bed bound at home with my mother taking care of me and not being able to drive. Um, but I knew that these were things that we can improve. Um, and I knew there had to be people who could help me. So I just kept like knocking on doors and I eventually found people who knew what they were doing. And then they connected me to people who knew what they were doing. Um, and now I am doing significantly better. Um, I've started a business to help people avoid the pitfalls that I went through in concussion. We have a lot of dizziness as well in concussion. So there's some overlap there. And then I am, my healthcare providers say should make a full recovery, which is like crazy after all this time, but I'm just kind of doing better and better and like really happy to be here, <laughs> like share everything I can to help you, you know, get your quality of life back. Absolutely. I think that's such a, it's such a great story and it's such a hard one. Like I've been to every doctor and no one can help me, but it's also the best thing to remind everyone of, of like, there are always answers. There's always hope. There's always something new you can try, even though there's not enough research about concussion and dizziness and like all of the disorders, there's more today than there were a couple of weeks ago, a couple of years ago. And we just know so much more than we knew before. And I'm so excited for you and proud, even though I don't know you that well. And 
I love seeing all of your return to work content you've been putting out lately, at least when we're recording this. And I've loved seeing you like pace yourself so well. I'm like, look at that. She's like going to a coffee shop for some time and like doing the less cognitively difficult things while at the coffee shop and then doing the more cognitively difficult things when she's at home. And I'm like, just watching you being like, I know you know what to do, but it's always so fun to see people go through this process and be like, I'm doing this really, really intentionally. And I love, I just love watching it. I think it's so fun. Well, that's great. You know, what's funny is first started and I was doing it like every day and I was like, excuse me, miss, you literally teach this. And what you tell people is to start every other day. So it's just like such a reminder to give yourself like grace during the process, but also like how helpful it is to have someone outside of yourself that you can like bounce things off of, whether it be like a Dr. Madison and like group fit or like an occupational therapist or something like that. But I just like, can't underscore, like, it's so nice to have other people be able to like bounce ideas off each other like that. Um, and then do, and then do it really intentionally on your own too. Cause there's so much, I think that we know that we don't give ourselves credit for. And there's so like much that we can support ourselves with too, but it's just such a funny balance. It really is because I, I think Sometimes as a physical therapist, it's easier for me to be like, okay, do every other day. And then when you came in, when you, next time I see you, you're like, well, I went every other day and then I didn't feel so great. So I like went every second day. So like, that's a failure this week. And I'm like, no, not at all. That's a huge accomplishment that you notice that this thing was hard. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I actually need to scale back to do what's right for me in this moment. And then like, next time I can try going every other day or something like that, or Maybe you were like, well, I could go every day for the first three days. And then I had to take two days off. And like, what does that teach us? And that is such a better experience. And like being able to bounce that off of someone is such an important thing. Because again, it's easier for me to see what you're doing right or maybe need some adjustment versus giving yourself enough credit or slack. Yeah, totally. Totally. So I'd love to know kind of what your journey as a healthcare provider was without the support of the healthcare system. And this is a hard thing because you're like, I know how to use this system, or at least I feel like I should. I can say that I don't know how to use this system and I feel like I should, but you, most healthcare providers say like, I feel like I should know how to use the system and it's really working against me. And I'd love if you spoke a little bit to what that was like. Yeah. Cause I felt like I did. So my experience before, so I come from a medical family so like all my family, like I have a mom who's a nurse and a dad's a dentist and my sister's a doctor. I'm like, you know, like, so I felt like I knew that my mom would be like, oh, what's da 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 when we were growing up. Um, and I was just shocked at how easy it was to fall through the cracks, like knowing everything that I know, knowing how to navigate. I felt like I had a decent idea of how to navigate insurance. I had a decent idea of how to get into the healthcare system had a pretty decent idea because I worked with a lot of these out of the box people. Like my clinic was known, like if people have something weird going on, send them to our clinic and we'll figure it out. And they usually had a lot of different things going on where you needed multiple healthcare providers and concussion is the same way. And so I even had that background and it was just the ease at which you fell through the cracks was pretty startling. If you had something that people didn't really know a lot about or didn't fit into the box, Um, And then as it progressed, I found it really, uh, I don't even know what the word is, but I can say it was like, you know, you lived your life. I've worked since I was 12. 
I have a doctorate degree. I like my life. I'd like to keep living it. The amount of people that attribute it to like something character wise, like you're not trying hard enough or you're not thinking positive or things like that was kind of like, that doesn't, does who I've been make any sense with that? Like, does that match? <laughs> and I think a lot of people experience that with concussion. And I know with like dizziness stuff, things where you look normal is a little bit of a different animal sometimes. And I found that added like a whole different component because it's not just you're trying to get the health stuff treated. It's then you have this maddening thing of trying to be believed and trying to explain what you're experiencing, but you don't really have the language for it. Um, and it was just a really frustrating, not so great experience. To yeah. Be quite honest. yeah. That's infuriating, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the word. It's, it, it is. And even if like you are not the patient and you're like outside looking in, be like, why is no one doing this for you? Because a lot of times you can find like one provider who will be like, I will be your advocate. Sometimes you can't, sometimes you can't, but sometimes Mm -hmm. you can. And like, even if that provider is like calling, knocking on doors for you, it's sometimes even still impossible. So I'm curious if you have any tips of like best ways to do that, or is it just like, I am going to call you incessantly until you call me back. (laughs) (laughs) I think as far as like finding the right people, Yeah, I think part of it is so you want to find a literate provider in whatever you think you're kind of dealing with. So like whether it be concussion or some kind of dizziness, you want to find the person where that's what they do. Um, And it can be in your area. It can be with telehealth. Now it can be in your state, depending on where people are licensed. If you're international, there's even some people in the States that can help now via telehealth. But you really want to kind of do a search like in your area or in your location and you're looking for specifically what you think your diagnosis is. It could be concussion. It could just be dizziness. It could be vestibular migraine. And you want to see on their website that they have it listed. And then you want to, you know, get a good feel for them. If you think that might be a possible person, call their office first before you go in um, and say like, I'm so-and-so I'm experiencing X, Y, and Z symptoms. Is that something you treat frequently with success? And some of them have no clue what you're talking about, which is a little bit of a red flag. Yeah. <laughs> might need to talk to like the, you know, the therapist itself. But if that's a clinic that usually does that, they kind of know and the staff kind of knows. So you can get a good idea if it's a fit before you're spending your time going to all these appointments and spending your money and sitting in the parking lot and crying afterwards like I used to. <laughs> and then make your appointment from there. And then at your visit, it's just a, you know, here's what I'm experiencing. What do you think we can do with this? It's really doing language where you guys are on the same team and it's like a team approach. I find that works much better than like, well, I have this and you don't know, da, 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 da. It's really, you want to have, everything should be collaborative um, and you should leave feeling seen and heard. Um, and if you don't, that might be a sign that it might not be the right person for you. Um, but that's kind of the best place to start. I think I ended up with a lot of people who didn't know anything from the start and I wasted my time or I stayed with people too long because I didn't know what else to do. And they were like, nice they didn't like necessarily know how to treat me. I think that's a way to approach it. Um, The other thing I would do is get with people like, like my page or like a Dr. Madison's page, who's already done it. Who's already been there. There's free Facebook Mm -hmm. groups um, and see if somebody can know somebody in your area that they've already been to. You can kind of use the people who've already been through it. We want to help you now. Yeah, Um, we do have to go through what we did. Um, but I found that to be the most effective. 
I really like the tip about like making sure you feel if you are the doctor, like they're collaborating with you and like they're on your team, your healthcare provider, whether they like it or not, their job is to be your biggest advocate. And that doesn't always happen because healthcare, for lack of a better term, is a shit show in most countries. So if, if you go in there and you're like, this isn't working for me, or this doctor feels like they gaslit me or told me I'm making it up, or you just need to be more positive, or maybe you should quit your job. Like none of those are good answers, but we also have to remember that like on that collaboration team, it's their job to do that, but also you have to use the right provider for the right thing. So if you're going to your medical doctor and you want to give them like your whole life story and then you're like respond, you're having an expectation of like a therapeutic type of response back. It's the wrong provider and the wrong story. So like go to your medical doctor for medical advice, hire a therapist so you can kind of work through the trauma of whatever's happening, hire a physical therapist so you can work through like your neck pain and the dizziness symptoms and an occupational therapist to get you back to work. And I really think that what you're saying about having a collaborative approach is both within one doctor, like you and your provider need to collaborate together, but also having a team of people who can, you can expect certain things from certain providers. Like we all go to school for a really long time to do a very bizarre and specific thing. Like I only do this one thing and I I don't do the rest. I don't know how to do the rest. So having that team approach and I find sometimes your physical therapist is a good place to start for someone who can kind of be the linchpin of those people. Like a lot of times your physical therapist will be that empathetic human because we tend to be of like, I will call these extra people for you and like think about you after and do extra research and be able to refer you to other people. And sometimes that is your medical doctor. Sometimes it's your occupational therapist. It can be different depending on the person, but having one person who feels like they can kind of coordinate that and kind of give you a direction on where to go next can also be helpful. Yeah. You You guys can't see, but I'm like nodding my head the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, totally. And it's, again, I want to, I want to refresher on how hard that is. Like, I don't want to gaslight people into thinking like they're doing it wrong because they don't have this. Like it's a hard thing to do, but Mm -hmm do keep calling and do keep finding someone new. Like you're saying, Molly, like it is possible, but it's hard and it's annoying. Yeah, it's possible. It really is. You have to learn self-advocacy. And I think that can be hard mm-hmm. for people, um, but it'll be important and it'll serve you the rest of your life. So stick with it. A hundred percent. Do you have any um, things that you like to bring to an appointment that you have found are helpful? Back in the day, my mom made me a binder of Mm -hmm. like, and if you're a loved one, that's like, I want to help. And I don't know how she just put together like everyone I'd seen and any notes from them, um, that could be helpful. But I think usually what I did, because I knew as a healthcare provider, what I needed for people. So I would come prepared with that. So it's usually generally what happened. And again, like the medical aspect of it, what symptoms I'm experiencing, if you have any awareness of things that like specifically trigger it for you or things that specifically calm it down, that's really helpful. I'm kind of thinking like, what information does this provider need to best serve me? And I'm usually coming with that and I make a few notes. Um, And then I was having memory issues. (laughs) So if any of you have that, or you just get like flustered, I would write down like specific questions that I wanted answers to. And I would think like, what's the most important thing that I need to leave with here? Like, is it a referral? Is it, do I need, do I know this person's the person? Like, what is it? And I would make sure that that was kind of like prioritized. 
Um, and then I would say, if you have anything that you're like, I really specific and concerned about this, make sure your provider knows at the beginning of the visit, don't like when they're like, Oh, is there anything else? Like drop your most important thing, <laughs> like make sure they know at the beginning of the visit. And that's usually how I did it. And then if it was like major, you know, you're going to a lawyer or you're going to a doctor that deals with like, you're doing like an insurance thing, um, which is a whole other bag of worms. I would come with the binder <laughs> so that they had all my stuff. Other things that are helpful if you're on medications, you could bring the bottles. Otherwise you're writing down the medication and how often you're taking it in the dose. Things like that is what they want mm -hmm. to know. Write it down once and bring it so you don't have to like keep doing it every visit. Totally. I love that you have both a binder and specifics. Because mm -hmm. I think all too often there's like a binder and you're like, let me read you this 10 story, this 10 chapter novel. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's not possible in 20 minutes. But if you have like I have my history in case I need to like do a quick scroll through it and it's organized ahead of time and I can kind of get into it. But also I want to know these two things today. Like, can I get a referral and why is this happening or what is a concussion even? Like, can you explain yeah. that to me? If you can have those things, but then if they have questions for you, scroll through it. I think that's genius. I love your binder idea. I think yeah. that's super smart. Awesome. So I know you have a really amazing company called Concussion Compass, which is closed right now, but is reopening later this year. I would love to know the story about that, but I, I know I didn't put this in the question, but first, could you explain to us what a concussion is? Yeah. So a concussion is a type of traumatic brain injury and it can happen anytime you have an acceleration and deacceleration of the brain within the skull. So most commonly we think of a hit to the head, but it could be uh, just a hit to the body. Like you fall on your tailbone hard enough to create that. It can be a blast injury. So anything that is creating that um, acceleration, deacceleration within the head, within the skull. You don't have to lose consciousness to have a concussion. That one gets sticky. I could hear that a lot from healthcare providers. If you didn't lose consciousness, you didn't have a concussion. That's not true. And basically what happens is there is a stretching and shearing of the uh, ion channels where they open up. We get this neurobolic cascade. Um, and that's where we start to see symptoms. That's where we have dizziness, headache, emotional symptoms, sleep issues, anything like that. Typically in a concussion, you will see people have symptoms for about seven to 10 days. And then the brain itself will heal at about three to four weeks, which is very important to note because you're gonna, your symptoms are gonna be gone before your brain is fully healed. So that's something to consider for sports and things like that. And then if you're experiencing symptoms longer than about four weeks, the concussion event itself is now over, but you're having some um, like function and connection issues with certain areas of the brain. And that's what we see in persistent post-concussion symptoms. So if you're about four weeks out now, we consider that persistent post-concussion symptoms. That used to be called post-concussion concussion syndrome, talking about the same thing. It's just a more medically updated term. And there's treatment for that. And that is what I do. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And I have a feeling that I know the answer to this question, but concussion treatment is going to look different for each person, correct? So it's a brain, right? And your brain is everything you are and do. So it depends what areas were affected in your concussion um, for what we're going to treat. So there's different um, what they call phenotypes. We can almost consider them like domains because they interact so much with each other. 
Um, but it could be vision. It could be vestibular, like dizzy stuff. Um, it can be cognitive. Um, so there's different areas of your brain affected. And so part of what we're doing as healthcare providers who understand concussion is we're figuring out where specific symptoms are coming for you. And then we're targeting treatment for you. So it might look a little bit different than your neighbor who had a concussion or your friend down the street. Um, and that's really normal. It's just very specific to what areas of your brain have been affected. Totally. And I also want to know, or the people want to know, do you <laughs> the people want to know the people tell them, give the people what they want, right? If you had a concussion 10 years ago mm-hmm. and you are still experiencing symptoms today, can that still be from your concussion? Yeah. Um, so there's a little bit of nuance here. Whereas if you have a provider say, you know, your concussion is over, it's a little bit of like, yes, the acute concussion event is over, but that's what caused the persistent symptoms. And if you can still be experiencing persistent symptoms a month, two months, two years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years out, Um, what's important to know is that it's not a structural injury. So if you do an MRI, it's not going to show up. So what that means for us is it's a functional injury. And if it's a functional injury, it's something we can treat and retrain. It's a little oversimplified, but it's something we can treat and retrain, um, no matter how far out you are. So even if it's so for me, I'm gosh, I'm 12 years out and here I am like fully recovering. And a lot of that has been within the last like nine months. And it was just a matter of getting the treatment that I needed to help retrain those areas of the brain. We'll hear people say, and insurance companies do this is you're not going to get better if it's been longer than two years. That's not real. <laughs> it's, can I roll my eyes harder? Yeah. It, can I roll my eyes? It's so much that I fall out of my chair. It's definitely like time can be important. So we want to get you treated as soon as we can. But it's not like, it's like I joke that it's the rose from the beauty and the beast. It's not like if the last petal falls and you're done. It's like you can retrain things no matter how far out you are. And there's so much that we can do. And like Dr. Madison said, there is no better time in history to have a concussion or some sort of dizziness than right now, because we're just learning so quickly. In the years to come, there's just going to be more and more and more that we know to be able to help. So totally. Yeah. I mean, I remember my brother's really good friend got in a football accident in football practice his freshman year of high school. And he was told to sit in a dark room and he sat in a dark room for a year and a half before someone was like, you need to come on, let's get out of there. Let's start exercising and moving and doing all this stuff. And we know now that that was the worst thing he could have been possibly told for more than 24 hours. And a year and a half later, he's doing great now, but it really is you're right. It is the best time in history to have had a concussion. There is so much you can do, whether you had it 10 years ago, 12 years ago, yesterday, there's so much you can do about a concussion. And I find that people are like, well, I have concussion and I have vestibular migraine and I got BPPV and now I have triple PD and I have all these like acronyms that I don't even know what they mean, Mm -hmm. but all of those things, well, most of them are functional problems where you have this issue, some of it might be structural, some of it could be functional, but there's treatment and ways to manage all of these things. And there are, there's, there's always stuff you can do. So don't give up hope regardless of your diagnosis. So now that you do have this amazing program, which is one of the reasons it's such a great time to have a concussion, there's never a good time to have a concussion, but it's a great time overall, if you do have a concussion to get treatment, So uh, there's a lot of people in group fit who have 
um, who have had a concussion in their lives and are still experiencing symptoms and maybe they have vestibular migraine and triple PD as well. Just a lot of different people with different experiences, right? So what is concussion company? When did you start it? Why did you start it? And what does it do? Yeah. So Compass started, uh, like a lot of those things do out of my own frustration. It had been many, many, many years of figuring it out on my own. I had visual issues. So I'm like reading with one eye and I feel like I'm going to vomit everywhere and I'm doing all the research myself. And I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> then it got to the point where I started to meet people who knew what they were doing. And I was like, if I just had this information sooner, you know, that was, this would have saved me so many years. So I started on Instagram and I just wanted, my why was, I don't want anyone to go through what I went through. And so I just started sharing information and sharing the stuff that I wish I had known. Um, and all the most actionable things that I could think of that people would need to know in their own recoveries, um, and started with a real strong sense of community because it's such an isolating injury. Um, and I'm sure as many of you know, you're trying to explain it to people who don't live it. And it's like, they just don't get it. And so it was a place where people could be who all had this injury. They could get information and then they could see like, oh, I'm not alone. We're all in it. And we'd all be like, oh yeah, this or that. Um, and I just spent like two years with these people. I was still really and heavily in recovery myself. Um, and I didn't have the capacity for more. Um, but I knew when I was ready, I was starting to realize I wanted to do something with it. There was a time where I was like, I don't want anything to do with this stuff ever. <laughs> and then that just kind of switched. Um, so I just listened to people. Like you got to know people. I learned what was wrong. I was getting the same questions over and over and over again. And I was like, you know, it'd be really great <laughs> if we had, you know, I could give like here's a 30 minute thing of all you need to know about headaches. Here's a 30 minute thing of all you need to know about nutrition, all these questions that I'm answering all the time. And so that's kind of how Compass was born. It was everything I wish I would have had in one place. And so it was the foundational things that everyone with the injury needs. And then it was bringing on guest experts so that everyone had access to good knowledge. It was me answering questions. Um, it was a community aspect. And then it was just any of the supportive things like we might have one on PPPD or, you know, or how to navigate your injury in the holidays, you know, relationships, anything like that. And it was just meant to be, I was just so sick of trying to find everything everywhere. <laughs> and so I just wanted one place where it was all condensed in one spot and it was accessible. And that's what Compass was. So by the time I launched it, everyone like we'd all known each other for so long that we were all like, <laughs> it was just like, it was so fun. And so it was, you know, we had a couple, I think hundred members right off the bat and it was just like really fun. Um, and it's, it was a, you know, it grew. And then we started to realize, oh, if we use this as like a specific program and like this order, people get even better results. And so that's what I'm doing now is I'm reworking Compass 2.0, which will be out in 2024 with all the things that we learned from the first, you know, thousand people that did the first program. Um, so stay tuned to Instagram and we'll keep you posted on or join the email list and we'll keep you posted on when that's opening up and various opportunities for you. Um, time, there's lots of good stuff on Instagram too. And I put it all in little yes. high levels so you don't have to scroll because vision issues are common in concussion that just has kind of information condensed for you. And we have lots of freebies and it's just a lot of fun. It is a lot. Your Instagram is a lot of fun. Yeah. Honestly, it's a, it makes concussion feel lighter. It like, yeah, that's the goal. Cause they just suck. <laughs> like, it's 
so heavy and everything around it is so heavy. And I look at other people's recoveries where they understand the diagnosis and there's levity in all of them. Like the person gets to just be a, you know, they get to just get better and they get to go to rehab and do their thing and they get to joke and they get to be positive. And everyone's like, oh, how great that you're so positive. And in invisible injuries, you're just having to like fight for it. And something that someone would like, someone with cancer dancing, they'd be like, oh, how good for them. And with Mm -hmm. concussions, they'd be like, well, you look fine to me. So it's just, I'm like, I get it. And I know all these people experiencing it get it. And I just want a place where we can have that too. And I think play and levity can be part of healing. Mm-hmm. And that intensity is hard. And if we can all deal with it in a way where we're acknowledging it and we're validating it and we're making the most of it, I just think it's better. <laughs> I think it's better too. Yeah. <laughs> I think I have the same <laughs> goal with group. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. This really is frustrating and this really does suck. And that's okay for it to suck. And also, here are some things that you could do every day to make it a little bit better. Yeah. And we can yeah. sit and suck. And we can also mm-hmm. have both when you're ready and both are, and I just, mm-hmm. it's honoring the whole journey. And I think totally. that totally. And I think a lot of times we're told like, don't embrace the suck. Like everything has to be happiness and butterflies and like, just be more positive and it'll go away. Mm-hmm. And that's never the answer. Yeah. Flash. But that's also just- it's like, if you embrace how much this sucks, sometimes it's actually going to help with your recovery in the long term because you're not going to sit there and say like, this sucks into eternity, which you could, but give it that time and that space to be like, this is really annoying. And I, it's really driving me crazy and I need to do something about it, but also I can't because I'm too overwhelmed right now. And I like that these kinds of groups really create space for both of those things. Yeah. It's emotionally processing what's happening to you. And then it's helping give you tools to process it in a way where you can potentially come out better the other side, not just feeling better, but like better skills as a human and better quality of life and better relationships. And, um, that's kind of infused into the whole program. A hundred percent. And who is concussion compass for anyone with a concussion, specific people with a concussion, people who have a concussion can't sleep. What's it for? For anyone who's experiencing persistent concussion symptoms. So if you've been had symptoms for longer than about four weeks, it's for you. Um, we say if you're having symptoms still at about 10 days though, to like preemptively start getting treated and you can find stuff on my Instagram to figure out like specifically who to go see or send me a message. Um, but the program is really for people about four weeks and on, um, and it's anybody, it's just as long as you are someone who is looking for avenues to improve and you're invested in, um, kind of taking responsibility of that for yourself and knowing that if you're putting in, um, the work in a way that works for your symptoms. That doesn't mean you have to like push through and like throw up everywhere. It means, you know, you're committing to yourself in a way that is honoring what you're going through. Then we're for you like to help you do that. Amazing. Okay. Rapid fire. What's one thing you'd wish everyone would know about concussions? We touched on this a little bit, but I want to say this over and over and over again. They're treatable. Mm-hmm. They're not something yes. you with. They're not something that it's tough luck. They're not something that you need to just wait and see. You do not need to sit in a dark room. They are something that is treatable and you are going to actively go through the rehab process, meaning you're going to be participating in it with usually multiple healthcare providers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Active participation. Really, really, really important stuff. If you're sitting there and getting like a laser on your head, not the best option. 
Yeah. And there's a lot you can do on your own guys. Like I don't want anyone to be disheartened if you're like, I am isolated and poor because there's so many things that you can do on your own and we can teach you how to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. there really is so many ways that you can positively affect the way your brain is functioning and the way you're experiencing life. Yay. Okay. Next one. What's one thing you wish you knew when you first started this journey with a concussion thing? Okay. It's a little existential. I wish I knew that I would have to fiercely guard the space for my own healing. I think I was such like a little people pleaser and I didn't like, if I thought in the beginning that people didn't think there was such a big problem because I wasn't showing them how much of a problem there was. Like I literally thought like if I worked harder and still wasn't doing well, they'd realize it really was bad instead of being like, this is the issue. This is, I'm like a valuable person. I shouldn't be experiencing X, Y, and Z and trying to like vomit while I do everything. I need help. This is, this is like what some of my needs are. I just didn't do that. I was very passive. I was very like, you know, stick it out, be a trooper. And I wish I would have known that that was going to be something I really needed to develop. Like I really needed to be the one to like hold the space and not everyone was going to respect it. And I still needed to like stand firm of like, this is my priority. This is what's going on with me and it needs to be addressed or I need to take space or no, I can't go to that thing or you drive and don't make me feel bad about it. (laughs) (laughs) all that kind of stuff. I just, it really took me a long time to learn that. It's a hard boundary to set Mm -hmm. really hard. And it's also hard to recognize about yourself. Like this is really hard for me and I need to stop. Yeah. And it's Uh, give yourself grace with it. Cause that's like, I say this injury is like the unwanted gift of it's really going to force you to look at some of your things that maybe aren't serving you because now you kind of can't get away with it because you have these symptoms. Um, and that can be your most powerful growth, um, by far, but it's something you really got to lean into and get curious and give yourself a little grace. Cause it's just going to take time. Um, but just your health is everything. And so it really deserves to be prioritized. I couldn't agree more. And that sentiment is true. Whether you have yeah concussion, whether you have triple PD, whether you have vestibular migraine, Meniere's disease, neuritis, like, let me just go down this list of every mm-hmm. thing that exists in the world. Or if you're just feeling really overwhelmed with life in general, and if you are someone who's listening to this who does not have any form of chronic illness, this applies to life. Like hold space for your own energy. Like this is 2024. We're allowed to do this now, which is kind of amazing, but it's also hard to recognize and it's a hard thing to do. So give yourself that really tough lesson when I, because I was 26 when this accident happened is like, all the people that I was trying so desperately to prove myself to when I couldn't function, none of them were there. So it's like, you just, you really got to value yourself and like know, know your worth and know what you're experiencing is real and create as much space as you can for it and be around people that are going to support that and not try to convince people who are committed to misunderstanding. (laughs) There are some people like that. It's infuriating, but Hey. We call it uncapable or unwilling to learn in Uncapable <laughs> <laughs> and unwilling to learn. I like that I'm stealing that and giving you credit, but stealing that forever. That's hilarious. Make it on your outer bubble of support where you're like, <laughs> like I don't. People. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. All right. And last one, what's the best piece of advice someone has ever given you? 
So I've got two. And I think it's going to really like, especially if you're really going through it right now in your recovery, I think it's going to be helpful for you. So the first one was the moments where it's daunting, the moments where you're so overwhelmed, you feel so crappy, you don't know what to do. It's just crushing. You look out forward and it just feels like you're frozen because it's just, there's too much. My therapist used to tell me, focus on what's right in front of your face. And that is so simple, but it helps so much. So anytime you're doing that, it is literally, what can I do right now? Not any other time in the future, not any time tomorrow. What do I need right now? Is that a little bit of a rest? Do I need to call and make that appointment, even though I feel like it? Today, what's just the things that would move the needle for you that day? And that is it. And then I got through a lot of days like that. I had some days where I was living like 30 seconds at a time because my symptoms were so bad. But that's how you get through the best advice for like the really, really, really hard times. And then the other thing I would say is the best advice I got when I was just feeling like I'd tried everything and I'd gone to all the things and it just wasn't really working, but I wasn't functional. I wasn't at a place where I could like make it kind of work. I had a therapist, say, or a, was a neurofeedback specialist who's the sweetest guy, My, Myron Thurber, thanks. <laughs> One of the first people to really believe me. He said a year is going to come and go regardless. Where do you want to be when it does? And so anytime I wanted to kind of like give up on the journey, I would think that the year is going to come and go. Like, where do I want to be when it does? And I would do the next kind of best thing for myself. And sometimes it panned out and sometimes it didn't, but it really helped keep me going. That's such great advice. Thanks. I love it. And I think everyone can take that to heart regardless. It's so simple, but it's just, if you apply it, it really does help. Both of those things are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for doing this with me today. I really had a good time. I love talking to no, you. I was really excited. Thanks so much for listening today. Find me on Instagram at the vertigo doctor, Dr. Jenna at dizzy.rehab.therapist and the pod at grounded.vestibular.pod. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our channel wherever you get this podcast. And if you're interested in working with us, try Vestibular Group Fit, the affordable, comprehensive program that focuses on movement, mindset, support, and education to take you from frustrated and dizzy to feeling in control of your vestibular disorder. Use code GROUNDED at checkout for 10% off your first subscription. Or we can work together one-on-one in California, Virginia, Minnesota, Maryland, New Jersey, New York, Wyoming, and Wisconsin. Your success story begins today. Dizziness does not have to be forever. Let's get you the right tools to thrive. Love you, and we'll see you next time on Grounded. Grounded.